As we take our Bibles this morning to Philippians chapter 4, let me say, uh, let me ask you a question. Have you ever thought about words that you sing to God? When you sing in church, it's easy to do it because that's what we do. But when you really think about the words and you sing them on purpose, it changes everything. The children are being dismissed to junior church. And to those who would need a break from too much Bible, you can go back to the junior church along with them. No, I'm just kidding. They give them lots of Bible back there as well. But uh, it is a blessing to have you here, as we've already mentioned. We're going to jump into Philippians chapter 4. It says in verse number 5, Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Our text today is in chapter 4, verse 6, where he says, Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. I want you to see, first of all, the meaning of the word Careful, 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 careful. Now, sometimes uh, people think that that word should be changed. A lot of modern versions will change that and say, no, 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 be, be anxious for nothing or, 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 or don't worry about anything. Well, I think the Lord does understand the difference between those words and he could use those words, but he used the word careful. In fact, there's an underlying truth here that is only properly understood by the word careful. And I want you to see, first of all, the definition of, of the word care. What does it mean to care? Well, we think caring is a good thing. So how can being careful be a bad thing? Well, we, I agree, careful is, uh, the word care is a good thing. And in fact, the very first use of the word caring or care is found in the book of Deuteronomy. Let's go to Deuteronomy. In the, in the Old Testament, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Deuteronomy. Look at chapter 11. It is a good and a kind thing to care. We ought to do it. The word care means to be attentive to, to nurse, if you will. Look at uh, Deuteronomy chapter 11. Look at verse 11. Deuteronomy 11, 11. But the land, speaking of the promised land, whither, by the way, promised to Israel, and God has no question about who should be in the land. If you want to know who should be in the land, go back to thousands of years before Christ came, and you'll see that there's a deed given to the, the nation of Israel. It's called the land of Israel, and God gives it to them. And so that's why we as Bible believers, we have no problem understanding whether or not Israel should be there, or whether they should split it up, or whether, as some people think, they should get out of there altogether, it's not theirs. No, when you have the Word of God uh, written, it's something, if I put my name on a deed, but if God Almighty puts His name on a deed, that's something else altogether. And that's what he's done for the nation of Israel. And this is what he says about it. The land, whither you go to possess it, is a land of hills and valleys, and drinketh water of the rain of heaven. A land which the Lord thy God careth for. The eyes of the Lord thy God are always upon it. Notice that phrase. The eyes are, his eyes are always upon it. That's what caring means. It means be, to be attentive, to be focused on it, to, to, uh, to nurse it, if you will. Take your Bibles to the New Testament. Look at Gen uh, Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. I almost said Genesis. Matthew, Mark, Luke chapter 10. If you don't have a Bible, <clears throat> fear not. Uh, we are getting some new Bibles. We'll have those in the pews this morning. If you want to uh, look online, or you can go online or 
get an app or whatever. Uh, we use the King James Bible here. <clears throat> we believe it is the Word of God. And so we uh, will use that. And you know, you have to have an authority. If you don't have an authority, you're stuck. Guess what? If you have multiple authorities, guess who's in charge? You are. So that's why we focus on the Bible, the Word of God, the King James Bible. And uh, we don't have to worry about, should this word be there? No, it should be there. God put it in there. We believe that. And you say, what about all the other versions? Ah, we're not sure about those. No, no. Because if you have two different Bibles, they say two different things. Which one's right? Who makes the call? Either the smart people make the call, and now you've got to go to the smart people to find out what the, what the Bible says, or you make the call. That's scary. Both of those options are scary. How about this? God made the call, gave us the words. That's what we believe. And so we, that you won't find us correcting the words of the King James Bible. They don't need any correction. The words of the Lord are pure. That's what he said, pure. So that's why we've been thankful for the word of God. And uh, look at what it says in Luke chapter 10. And what's great about it is you'll be able to use the Bible to define the Bible. Luke chapter 10, look at verse 34. Luke 10, 34, this is when the good Samaritan, as he's called, takes this wounded man and brings him to an inn. It says in verse 34, he went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, and set him on his own beast and brought him to an inn and took care of him. Verse 35, and on the morrow when he departed, he took out two pence and gave them to the host and said unto him, Take care of him, and whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again, I will repay thee. So to care for something is to be concerned about it, to be occupied with it, to make uh, preparations for it to continue to be watched over. You see that? So when he says to, to, to be careful for nothing, we have to understand what the word care means to start with. It means to be concerned about to be thinking about, to be focused on. You say, well, what's wrong with that? Nothing. Nothing's wrong with caring. I want you to go back to Philippians chapter 4. Did you notice that the the admonition in chapter 4, verse number 6, what does it say? It doesn't say, don't care about anything. That's not what he said. We're human beings. We're going to care about things. He said this, don't be full of care. You see, it's not a sin to care. It's not a sin to worry. It is a sin when you allow your worry to fill you up. And so the first point I want you to to, to take tonight, this morning, whatever time, I don't know what time it is. Number one, clear your inbox. Get your mail out of your mailbox. You ever forget to take to tell your neighbor or tell the post office to hold your mail? And you go out of town for a few days. You come back. I, my hat's off to the mailman or the mail mail person. Sorry, mailwoman, whatever it might be. All right, my hat's off to them because they. I mean, they figure out how to get it all in there, don't they? <laughs> Roll it up, you know. And and it takes me half an hour to just extricate the mail from the from the box, right? And, and why? It's not designed to carry, it's really not designed to carry a week's worth. Now, I don't know if you're like me. Uh, some of you, I feel bad for you. You don't get mail. I get lots of mail. Lots of mail. I get advertisements. Uh, I get catalogs of companies I've never heard of. Uh, there's a company called Uline that occasionally will send me, they're about 17 feet high catalogs, and they send me stuff just in case I want to buy something. And, and, and the whole idea of that mailbox is a temporary storage place. I want you to think about your heart as an inbox. By the way, if, you're, if you have an office and a desk and an inbox, it's not designed to be a file folder. You ever had something like that? I, I, I have one, and sometimes it becomes a filing cabinet. It's my vertical filing cabinet. It, it's, it's where I put everything. But, you know, at some point, you're supposed to have an outbox as well. You don't just take in all the duties and the checklists and just keep piling them up. What are you doing this week? Well, I don't know, but I got it all right there in a file. Maybe someday I'll get to it. No, you're, you're supposed to, to get, you know what happens? Now, it, some of you, if you're, if you're like me, I'm always trying, I'm, I'm lazy at heart, so I'm always thinking about how to be more productive so I get my work done so I can relax. That's how I think about it. I, I, wanna, I want inbox zero. 
That's what I'm striving for. Right. And and you know what happens, though, is time will go on and I have a lot of things. You know, it's easier just to say, I'm going to get to it. 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 And it just keeps piling up, piling up, piling up. Guess what? That inbox that is designed to help me process what I'm supposed to do, it becomes my greatest enemy. And I look at that thing and inside my heart, I'm like in my gut, like, no, no, that's just it doesn't need to be done. anyhow. And then you start to say people are so demanding. They always have to have stuff done. They're always asking me for things. You know why? My, my inbox is filling up. I got too much junk to deal with because I haven't dealt with it. So here's the thing. He said, be careful for nothing. Don't let your cares fill your heart. You got to do something with it. Take your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. Some people think, you know, it would be really good if I just didn't have any more bad feelings or any more bad thoughts. And one of these days, I'm going to get to the place where I don't have these thoughts anymore. Well, I'm going to, I want to take you here to Matthew chapter 6. And as you're looking at Matthew 6, you're going to see... Uh, You're going to see these fowls of the air. You're going to see the lilies of the field. And you're going to hear him talking about the fact that that there's two masters, God and mammon. You can focus on God or you can focus on this world. And he says in verse number 31, Matthew 6, 31, he said, therefore, take no thought. What shall we eat or what shall we drink or wherewithal shall we be clothed? This is not the thing to think about during Christmas, is it? So that's why I try to tell my wife, we need to do some planning for the party. No, I don't. The Bible says, take no thought. What shall we eat or what shall we drink? Or what music shall we listen to? You don't have to even think. Just walk into the party. No, that's not, that's not what he's saying here. He says, these are things that we, that we are, of course, going to have to, to, to have. He says, verse 32, for after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. Okay? So the issue is not whether or not I need them. The issue is whether I am seeking after them. He said, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take, therefore, no thought for the morrow. For the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. You can let cares fill your heart up, but how does that change tomorrow? It doesn't mean that you're not going to have more problems tomorrow. Just because you're weighed down and burdened down with the problems of today doesn't mean tomorrow is going to be problem-free. What is he saying? He's saying, the thoughts are coming in, but don't take them. Don't take those thoughts. You see, the problem is not that those thoughts come in and now they overwhelm us. No, we decide which thoughts we're going to keep in our inbox. And sometimes we sit there and we look at it and we say, oh man, this is a big one. This is a big one. Am I I mic off? Thank you, sir. Thank you for not screaming at me. The old sound person used to scream at me. (laughs) What's that? Just use the pulpit? All right, get rid of it, you're saying? Okay, that's what I'm going to do. Sometimes we actually design these into the service to get you to wake up. (laughs) And it still doesn't work. He He said, these things are coming. But you don't have to grab a hold of them. We look at thoughts in the inbox and we say, oh, 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 this is coming. This is coming. It's here. It's probably already here. It's coming. It's coming. He said, take no thought. Why? The Lord's thinking about these things. You see, it's not me that's going to process all this stuff and get it done and get it fixed. The Lord knows what I need. You know, if the Lord knows what I need, do you think he knows it as well as I do? Or do you think maybe I really know what I need probably better than God? I mean, God knows a lot, don't get me wrong, but does he really understand like I do? 
You say, that's blasphemous. Yeah, it is. Isn't it interesting that we can operate in that mindset? Knowing that God knows much more than we do. He understands it. He knows our problem. And he knows it a lot better than I do. You know what I can do? I can go to the mechanic shop and I can say, I'll tell you what. Open the hood. Problem is definitely right in there. That's where the problem is. I know that. How do I know? I, mean, I, just, I know stuff about cars. Mike Suttis is laughing at me because he knows it takes a little more than knowing that the problem is inside the car. You know, sometimes we say, you know what my problem is? I'll tell you what my problem is. You sound like an idiot. Because you don't even know what your problem is. You know who does? The master mechanic. He knows exactly what's going on under the hood. And that's why we are to not be filled up with care. Imagine I go to the, to the, uh, the garage and I stand there and I say, I, I don't know what it is. I don't know what the problem is. It could, it could be an alternator, but I replaced the alternator very recently. I'm not sure. Maybe it's something electrical that just affects the whole car. And maybe the whole car is going to have to be replaced. And I don't know. What do you think? Maybe could it be something uh, mechanical? I don't know much about transmission, but I've heard transmissions can go bad. And I just think, you know what? The mechanic's going to say, would you please leave? <laughs> I got work to do. You are, you are a clueless person. Stop talking about what you have no idea about. And how many Christians live their lives with, I don't understand. I mean, I try to talk to the, the Lord, and I talk to other people, and I try to understand, and it's just like so heavy on my heart. The Lord says, shut up! If you're going to talk, talk to God about it. Don't throw a fit Don't freak out. Say, God, here's my problem. But we first have to understand, God's not against this thing. But, you know, people think, I've got this thought, you know. Young men will think, well, I have this lustful thought, so I'm just a horrible, terrible, I'm back to square. Let me remind you, the devil can put thoughts in your mind. They're called fiery darts of the wicked. You know, the devil can put thoughts of suicide in your mind. And he's so good, he's transformed into an angel of light. He can imitate, to a certain degree, God himself. In fact, he's infatuated with imitating God. And he will do his best to convince you that that thought you just had came from God. Or that thought you just had is the real you. The real you. By the way, how would you know who the real you is? Don't you have to know who you are before you can? Psychology gets crazy. Think about this. When, when, you, when you start thinking about these thoughts, you've got to be careful that you don't get overwhelmed and you start flagellating yourself, beating yourself, saying, I'm so horrible. Back to square one. Again, I was really doing well. I was following the Lord and then back to... Can I just remind you, you and I have nothing to offer to God. If you've been saved for 100 years, you've got nothing to offer to God. You are standing on the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Should you follow the Lord and work for him? Of course you should. But that flows from the Holy Spirit of God, which is in you. How do you, how do you bear fruit? You yield. That's what, a, that's what fruit is. It's a yield. Yield to the Holy Spirit of God. Okay? And so you don't have to think, well, I'm just a horrible, terrible. Well, you know what? If you're thinking things, as Bob Newhart said, stop it. Stop it. Well, I feel this way. Stop feeling that way. Well, I can't. I can't. You see, it always comes back to us. So here's the first point. Don't let your inbox get filled up. Clear your inbox. That's number one. So if you're not supposed to be careful, full of care, what should you do with your cares? Look back, if you would, at Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4, verse number 6. Here's what he says. Be careful for nothing. What's the next word? But there is not a bridge, a stop sign. Okay. In other words, you're not going to be able to do what comes next until you stop doing what you've been doing. Be careful for nothing, but 
instead of being filled up with cares, here's what you do. In everything, by prayer and supplication. Here's the second point. Turn your cares into prayers. Turn your cares into prayers. Notice the contrast, but. See, the world says, in everything by therapy. In everything by logic. In everything by counseling. In everything by money. In everything by talking it out. In everything by chasing down and embracing your inner child. Where has that rascal gotten to? Used to be so happy at this time of year. Where is he? That stinker. Go find him. Right? In everything by money. And everything by stress-free living. And everything by vacations. The vacation will fix it all. And everything by weekends. T-G-I-F, thank God, it's Friday. And now I can relax while I dread what's coming next week. And everything by teamwork and camaraderie. And everything by family. And everything by Facebook. And everything by Snapchat. And everything by counseling, by, by, by conversation, everything by talking it out. And everything by Zen. And everything by yoga. And everything by self-love. And, and everything by me time. You know how I get rid of all my cares? This is what the world says. These are the answers. And everything by entertainment. And everything by food. These are the things that people, am I making this up? Is this what people run to? Now, I haven't mentioned alcohol because we have a lot of people who've been saved and haven't drank any alcohol in years. So, by the way, alcohol is not what he said either. Everything by alcohol. Everything by medication. Now, we could park there for a minute. You know, my problem is I don't have the right mix of medications. You know, by the way, if you go to the doctor, the doctor can say, your arm is broken. Get that fixed. If you go to the doctor and talk about your brain, they can't see what's happening up there. You got to be careful what you start taking to fix your brain. When they can't, they don't even know what's wrong. You got a broken leg, they can say, your leg needs to be splinted. Well, we need to do some surgery and fix it. Be careful going to the doctor and the doctor telling you how to fix the most important part of who you are, your brain, if they don't even know what's going on. You know what they're going to do? They're going to, with a blindfold, we throw in darts. Maybe we'll try this. Maybe you could try some of that. I don't know. Throw it up. Man, you'd be messed up for a long time. How many of you have heard, you know people have gotten messed up because they started taking medication that was supposed to help them? Why? Because there's always these after effects, right? These side effects. Nausea, you know. Side effects, possible side effect of death. But other than that, great pill. (laughs) Be careful. You know what God's remedy is? But in everything, by prayer and supplication. And everything. What does that work for? You mean to tell me that it's going to fix my car? I mean, he said everything. You trying to tell me it's going to fix my, 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 my broken relationships? He said everything. I'm not telling you what God can do. He told you what he can do. He said in everything, by prayer and supplication. You may have major, your inbox may be jam-packed with junk from things that have happened. What should you do with it? In everything by prayer. And you look at your life and you say, well, I don't have, I don't, there's no way this is all going to get fixed. I can just tell you right now. I mean, Jesus is great in Bible and church and all that's great. But I tell you, there's a list of stuff. Don't tell God what he can and can't do. Who do you think you are? If he can get out of the ground after three days and three nights, after he was crucified and he lost all of his blood, I promise you, he can help you in your relationships. 
You see, we're talking about God here, not man. You know what's phenomenal? We're quite convinced of what God can and cannot do. And because of that, our inbox keeps filling up. But he said, in everything, by prayer and supplication. You know what we like to do? We like to tell everybody else. The antidote to being careful is being prayerful. He said, that's really cute. Might be cute. That's exactly what he said. Instead of being full of care, he said, be full of prayer. You want to process every single thing that comes across your desk. Everything that comes on that, you watch the, uh, the folks at McDonald's or, or some, you know, and it used to be, they used to put the little papers up on the spinning wheel. Remember that uh, at the restaurant, the burger place? Every time somebody came, they got a little order sheet, they put it up there and they made sure that that, most of the time, that thing was done. Now you have a little screen, they're looking at the screen, right, as they come through. You know what they're doing? They're processing every request, every request. They're not just picking out, well, she's got a nice car. Looks like she's got some money. We'll go ahead and make her a burger. Every request that comes in, that's what we're supposed to do. With everything that we have, we're supposed to turn our cares into prayers. So turn cares into prayers. Number three, and this one's tough, with thanksgiving. I'm going to tell you, this this is the next point. Thank God beyond understanding. Now, you're you're going to hear this point, and you're going to go, oh, yeah, we need to be thankful. Thank God in everything. Now, you know what some people have said? I want to take your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4, chapter 5. Some people say here, they say, well, you know, the Lord never told us that we had to be thankful for everything. He told us that we need to be thankful in everything. You know, that I hear what you're saying, but it's not true. Look at Ephesians chapter 5. Verse number 20, giving thanks always, what's the next word? We're in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 20, giving thanks always, what's the next word? Giving thanks always for all things. That's why I said we're going to thank God beyond understanding. Because you got something in your inbox that is not easy to process. And it's not going away. It's not just one that you can say, oh, we can throw that one out, or we can delegate that to somebody else. No, this one's here, and it's going to be here for a while. This one hurts. This could be a wayward child. This could be a, a, a debilitating health condition. This could be an unanswered prayer request for which you've begged God for decades. This could be for something that you've lost, that you wish you could get back. Maybe it's a time remembered. Maybe it's, it's, it's a request that, that, that you can't imagine why God would not answer it, and it sits there. He said, in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. So as you're going through this inbox and you're going, okay, I've got this problem and I've got this problem and this problem. It's not just, oh God, please fix it. Oh God, yes, that is. But you know what he tells us to say? Oh God, thank you for this. You kidding me? I know we're supposed to be super Christians and spiritual. And there's some people that are really good at this. You know what? Some of the stuff that's happened to me and has happened to you is not fair. Could, you, could, you could go through that. You could, you could look at that. Now, I would say this, looking at my own life, I don't think a whole lot of things have happened to me that I didn't deserve. I'm not trying to play the victim. What I'm telling you is there are things in that inbox that doesn't make any sense to thank God for. And we try to hack that thing. We say, well, I'm not thankful for that, but I'm just thankful that God's there. In spite of that, no, the Lord said, no, turn your head, look at it. Now repeat after me. Thank you, God, for fill in the blank. That's easier said than done. That is easier said than done. Now listen, we can get around it. And we, if, you're, if you're a Christian, read the Bible, we're good 
at getting around things. We could say like this, Lord, thank you for what, what you are going to, to do as a result of that. Lord, thank you for the effects that this will have. But it's a whole lot easier to thank God for that broken relationship. Because we look at it and say, that wouldn't bring honor to God. That was wrong. And truthfully, that is, that is true. But we're not talking about whether the thing was right or wrong. What we're talking about is it's in our inbox. However it ended up there, I don't know, but it's there. And I'm supposed to thank God for it. And by the way, you'll never be able to process this thing and get rid of that care that's filling up until you're able to obey what he said here. And that is to, in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. You know what happens is we lose our ability to thank God for what he allowed. And when we do that, it's because we've lost confidence in the Savior's working in our lives. We no longer believe in that area that God is at work. How could God work through sin? And if we're going to ask that question, we ought to look in the mirror, shouldn't we? How could God work through me with all the sin that I've committed against Him, even knowing Him as my Savior? You see, processing this means I've got to look at that and believe beyond my understanding that God will receive thanks if I offer it to him. Well, I don't serve a God that's like that. I don't serve a God. You tell me I lost my parent. I lost my child. You're telling me that God wants me to... All I'm telling you is what he said. If you can care about it and it can fill your heart up with concern, you need to be able to thank God for it. With thanksgiving. How can I be thankful for it? Well, I can tell you this. If I thank God for that sickness, there's a part of me that sickness can't overcome. If you're trying to make me mad with something, but I keep being thankful for it, you can't win. If I can thank God for that financial setback, well, I don't think it should have been. It was because my wife filled up our credit card. Now listen. How it happened, why it happened, doesn't matter. It's in the inbox. How can you? I can tell you this. You'll never never have freedom over that thing. You'll have anger over it, and you'll try to dominate it, and you'll make sure you never go into debt, and you're mad at the world, and then you're going to freak out at anybody that pays. We can't afford that. You know what it is? You weren't thankful for the lesson. You weren't thankful for that setback. You dominate it and try to overcome it. There's a difference. I'm not saying God wants you to be in debt. I'm saying whether or not you should be, you are. What are you going to do with it? I'm, I'm thankful to tell you, there are no big problems that cannot be brought before God. There are no issues that cannot be thank, God cannot be thanked for. Thank God beyond your understanding. And lastly this morning, let your requests be made known. Let your requests be made known unto God. Here's the point. Ask the Lord. He's right here. Ask the Lord. He said, be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known. Did you see what he said in verse number 5 of Philippians 4? He said, let your moderation be known unto all men. What's the next sentence? The Lord is at hand. The Lord is right there. Now, we understand the Lord is coming. That's not what he said. He didn't say the Lord's coming is at hand. He said the Lord is at hand. The Lord is right there. If you're going to let your moderation be known unto all men, because the Lord is at hand, you know what else you can do? You can let your requests be made known unto God. He's right there. Ask him. Have you ever thought, what would you do if God came to you and said, okay, We're going to address the problem that's bothered you for 17 years. I want to know what you want me to do about it. What would you say? You know what's mind-blowing? Some Christians have gone 17 years and never asked God specifically what what they want Him to do about that thing. Now, you know the reason why we don't ask? He's not going to do anything anyhow. 
I'm not even sure, I'm not even sure prayer works. In fact, I'm kind of offended at God. Have you asked God specifically? That's what he said to do. Ask the Lord. He's right there. It's amazing. He said here, if the Lord is there, I don't, I don't have to worry about anything. I don't have to be filled up with care. Why is it so much easier to tell 30 different people what's going on in my life instead of talking to God 30 different times? You see, I say this. If I were God, I'd answer your request right now. Unfortunately, the job's not available. He's God. And if he asks you to come back 30 times, why would you go tell 30 other people before you talk to God about it 30 times? You see, sometimes as believers, we look at it and say, well, apparently I'm just not right with God, or I don't understand prayer, it's not working. You know what the Lord said? He wants you to ask and ask and ask and ask and ask and ask and ask. And you think, well, I just don't, I don't understand. I don't understand. You see, it's not just that you've got to change God. When you're asking over and over and over again, you know what's happening? God is changing you. Prayer is changing you. And that's why we don't pray, because we don't want to change. We just want it answered. God says, no, I'll answer it in my own good time and way, but you're going to trust me. You know, that's why prayer is so hard. You kneel down and you talk to who? The couch? The chair? Where is that prayer going? See, it forces them. That's why we close our eyes and we pray. The, the scripture doesn't command us to do that. It doesn't say, make sure you bow your heads and close your eyes before you pray. You know the reason why we do that? Is to disconnect from the physical world and tell our brains we're talking to the invisible God who is a spirit. It's not text. It's not call. It's not drive down for an appointment. It's talk to God. They that worship God must worship him in spirit and in truth. It's invisible. A spirit cannot be seen. You can't see God. So when you're praying, you're asking an invisible God. And yet that's why we stop. I'd rather go down and bang on somebody's door. I'd rather get on the phone and talk for hours, forever. And listen, we need to talk to believers. Other believers, they can help encourage us. But you would never want to do that in place of talking to your God. We must talk to God in everything. When I lose my ability to talk to God, what I'm saying is, God, I don't really need you right now. I don't understand you. I don't get it, what you're doing. I love you and everything, but I just can't. Listen, if you've ever been there, I've been there. It's hard. It's, it's difficult. We're embarrassed to come to God in those times. You know, you might say, well, I don't want to talk to God because what I have to say to him, he won't want to hear. As if he can't read your heart. He already knows what's going on in your heart. When I talk to God, many times I feel like I'm a child, like an immature, petty baby. When I hear the words coming out of my mouth... Can I tell you where those words are coming from? Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. Why hide those words from God? Get it out of the heart and say, Lord, here's what I'm thinking. And as I'm saying it, I know I'm an idiot. And I'm just telling you because I want you to know. And I want to know that I told you what's on my heart. Let your request be made known. The Lord is at hand. You know what that means? You're not going to drown. You're not going to fall. The devil's not going to overcome you. You're, you're, you're not going to lose your salvation. The Lord is at hand. Take your Bibles, if you would, to 1 Peter chapter 4. Look at two more verses here this morning before we close. Two more passages, forgive me. 1 Peter chapter 5. Look at verse 7. Casting all your care upon him for he careth for you. The Lord wants to care for you. Why? God's infinite. You can't fill him up with your care. He'll never get sick to his stomach with your cares because there's too many things that you're saying. You and I will. We'll get, we'll get stopped up spiritually. 
our, our body won't, our, our, our spirit, so to speak, will not be able to process all that stuff. The Lord has no problem with it. What should you do with your cares? He said, be careful for nothing. Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Why? He's different than you and I. He has power that we don't have. He can process. He can carry. He can bear the weight of the world. Casting all. You see, our troubles arise when we don't bring those cares to him instantly. One by one. Problem is we have too many troubles when we come to God. And sometimes we allow those troubles to become so numerous that we can't even walk or function under the weight of all those things. If we'd taken them one by one, moment by moment, you better get that. If we had taken them care after care after care, you see, one thing you'll realize about an inbox, it never stops taking stuff in. Your car never is like, you know what? I've had enough gas. This is great. I'm good. Your, char- your phone never says, I think I'm just going to stay charged. No, the, 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 the company, you know, the utility companies never say, you know what? We really like you. We're going to do a solid. We're going to do you a solid. You don't have to pay us anything else. Why? It, it always is required. Always, always, always. More and more and more. But see, what God wants me to do is be careful for nothing, but in everything. Everything that crosses my desk, every problem that comes up, I'm supposed to take that to God. One by one. One by one. Because it's care after care after care. Well, I don't want this. It's too much. No, no. While we live on this earth, we're going to have it. Care after care after care. But believer, you don't have to have care upon care upon care upon care. It gets to be so much you can't even function. And then you cry out to God and say, God, why? He said, I'm at hand. I'm right here. Tell me every little thing. And you know what you'll find if you're not careful? You might develop a prayer life. You might develop a prayer life kind of in the back door, through the back door. You hacked it. Maybe you weren't always up at 4.30 on your knees for three hours. But you got problems. And every time you had a problem, you start talking to God. How often would you be talking to God if you talked to him about every problem that came up? You got a prayer life. It's amazing that God would do it. One final illustration this morning. Why don't you take your Bibles to Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4. Here we have Jesus. He's getting ready to cross the Sea of Galilee. Mark chapter 4. Look at verse 35. And the same day, when the even was come, he saith unto them, let us pass over unto the other side. We're in Mark 4.35. What did Jesus say, let us do? You can talk to me. Pass over, where? The other side. That's his promise. Let's do it, he said. And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship. It's an important phrase to remember. They took him even as he was in the ship. And there were also with him other little ships. Now here comes these, many of them, professional fishermen, crossing this, it's not, we call it a sea, and the scripture calls it a sea, but it's, it's a big lake. It's not gigantic. It's not even as big as the Mediterranean Sea. These guys fished commercially on this sea all the time. Watch what happens. On this sea, and there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship, so that it was now full. And he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow, and they awake him and say unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? You see, this ship, in verse 37, is full of water. Just like our hearts get full of care. Interestingly, Luke chapter 8, the companion passage, says this, (laughs) They were filled with water. The water was coming into the ship. Well, the first little bit of water splashed over the side. These, you know, fishermen are like, that's no big deal. Don't bother Jesus. Because Jesus is sleeping. He needs his beauty rest. He works hard. Let's not wake him up. We can handle it. 
Just a little water. I mean, guys, come on, right? We've been on the ship. We've been on the sea for years. Okay, well, then a bucket's worth fell, fell from the sky. Okay, now they're going, yeah, yeah, sometimes that happens, man. That's life. That's life. And they looked at, you know, Matthew, the tax collector, and they're like, look at this guy. He's getting green. <laughs> yeah, that's the way it is, man. That's the way it is. Never know on the Sea of Galilee, am I right? Yeah. Let's not wake up Jesus. There's no problem there because we can handle this thing. Okay, what happens next? Well, you, the waves are starting to crash, and they're sloshing over the deck. You know what? They're in the back of their mind. They're thinking, I've been here before. I've seen worse. I can handle it. You know what Jesus is doing the whole time? He's sleeping. I don't want to bother him. He's, he, he, you know, I, he's got an agenda. He's got things he needs to do. I can handle this. Everything's fine. You know, there came a point when they couldn't handle it anymore. It was too much. And watch how they approach the Son of God. They come back to him, and they, and, and, and they woke him up. And they said, don't you even care about this? See, this is the problem with a lot of us as believers. We don't talk to God. We don't talk to God. We don't talk to God. We get filled with care, and we come to God and say, don't you even care about me, God? Don't, don't you even care? I am, am weighted down. You don't even see what's going on in my life. Let me ask you this question. What if, at the very smallest, faintest thought of there might be a problem here, they went to Jesus and said, Jesus, it's starting to storm. What would have been different? I don't know that he would have prevented the storm, but I know this. He would have talked to him about the storm. And his words of peace would have helped them make it through the storm. They get so filled up, they get irritated with God. You know what the Lord could have said when he woke up? Carest thou not? How can I care for you when you won't give me your cares? You're supposed to cast your cares upon me. But if you won't talk to me about them, how can I care for you? It's foolish to say that God doesn't care. Of course he does. Of course he does. He doesn't want me to take a week's worth, you know, a month's worth, a a year's worth, a lifetime of problems and come before God and say, God, here they are. What are you going to, by the way, he's not freaked out about that. He can handle that. Doesn't scare God a bit, but it may change how you think about God between now and the time that you dump him on him. You won't be fellowshipping with God. You won't be talking. You'll be writing out the storm on your best understanding of how this world works. I got it. I got it. Some people are idiots. I've been around the block twice, a couple times, a lot. I can handle it. You can handle it until you can't. And then you look at God and you start saying, God doesn't understand. God doesn't know. God doesn't care. You know what the Lord said? He arose and rebuked the wind, and said unto the sea, Peace, be still. Peace comes when you get God involved. Did you notice that he said, Peace, be still, and then the wind ceased? The words of peace came before the waves stopped. God is going to give you peace where? In your heart. It's peace that will eventually happen, and in this case, immediately happened. You know why it came? It came because of the words of the Savior. That's where peace comes in our lives. You know where you're going to get peace? By going back to the words of God and believing those. Well, I just want to get back into church. Good, you should get back into church. I just want to feel that way about God again. And church feelings come and go. Have you noticed? The words of God never change. You put your faith and trust in what he said and let God take care of the rest. Everybody has peace after the storm. God wants you to have peace in the midst of the storm. He said unto them, look at verse number 40. This is so like God. He said unto them, I'm sorry that you were so scared. That's what we might think if we were God. We need to calm them. You know what he said? Why are ye so fearful? How is it that ye have no faith? No faith. You see, it's not the storm that robbed me of my peace. 
It is my temporary lack of faith in God that robbed me of my peace. That's why I don't have peace. I don't believe God could or would or did. I don't believe God. I don't even believe there is a God anymore. Okay, relax, pal. Don't blame God for everything. And why are you mad at a God that doesn't exist? You know what you you ought to do? You ought to back it up a little bit and say, Lord, I should have come a long time ago. The truth is, this thing between you and I, it's not your fault. It's my fault. I should have been talking to you a long time ago about it. And I want you to know, God, I'm starting right now. I'm going to restore that faith. And how am I going to restore my faith in you? By acting and pretending like God actually cares about my life as it stands. Where I am today. What God is doing and allowing in my life today. And I'm going to come to him and I'm going to say, God, please help me. And I want to thank you for this thing, this juggernaut that you've put in my life. I thank you for it, God. I thank you for this overwhelming obstacle that I can't get rid of. I thank you for it. So there, devil. So there, old nature. I can look directly into that thing and say, through God, I have the victory over that thing. And it may not disappear today or ever until Jesus comes. But I can tell you one thing. It ain't going to get the victory over me. Because my faith is not in my circumstances. My faith is not in the peace after the storm. My faith is in the Prince of Peace who can sleep through a storm. God can give you that peace. And they, verse 41, they feared exceedingly and said one to another, What manner of man is this? That even the wind and the sea obey him. Be careful for nothing. Clear your inbox. But in everything by prayer and supplication, turn your cares into prayers. With thanksgiving, thank God beyond the understanding. Let your requests be made known unto God. Ask the Lord. He's right here. These choices are given in the text. Care or prayer. Care or supplication. Care or thanksgiving. Care or requests. What is your decision? Would you bow your heads in prayer with me?